lot of these late night movies with rob and zach this is a podcast about cinematic oddies where we discuss any media that is too bizarre abnormal or off kilter for contemporary audiences occasionally these projects gel most times they crash hard into the realm of obscurity join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp i'm zach hey zach it's rob that is a reference to the movie we're talking about today do you understand what I'm talking about, Zach? Uh, oh, hold on a sec. We're not we're not plugging semi perfect yet sublime. I know it's available on Bandcamp, but just in case I can't access it there, where else can I find cups on cockroaches? Zach, I absolutely love that you are blindsiding me with our ad revenue this month because I was ready to jump into this last minute movie you made us discuss. Well, I guess I made us discuss, but the last minute part was Zach's fault. Uh, but yes, if you would like to hear Anne Inspiriority Complex's new album, Semi-Perfect Yet Sublime, like Zach said, Bandcamp, you can download or stream it for free. You can also get it on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Spotify, and Pandora. Check it out. Pandora, like, Pandora like the planet where the Navi live? Pandora like the box. Oh, well, I don't know if I want to go <laughs> we, got in, we got in there. So, you know, as the as the myth goes, you know, when you open Pandora's box, a lot of chaos comes out. And then there's two things left in the box. The, the second to last thing to come out of Pandora's box is this new album, Semi-Perfect Yet Sublime by Anne Inspiriority Complex. The last thing to come out of Pandora's box is hope. Self-patronization aside... What movie are we talking about that I forced Rob to talk about because we couldn't release our Elves episode? This week we are talking about an in-depth, multiple-hour discussion on Inland Empire. Zach, are you ready for this? Oh my god. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. Okay, we're going to break this down, not only scene by scene, but frame by frame. Buckle in, everybody. Zach, did you get the PowerPoint of frames I sent you? All I got was Laura Dern screaming for three hours. <laughs> okay, you have the correct files. <laughs> good, good. No, no, all kidding aside, Zach and I will uh, probably come to blows. That might, I don't know, that that seems like it should be part of the feats of strength of Festivus. If anything, we should fight about Inland Empire, Zach. That's an idea, I'll pitch that to you. But that must come later. We are talking about one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, Ernest Saves christmas zach i want to start this discussion because we're switching <laughs> full into earnest mode right now i'm doing it we're just i i live in earnest mode oh okay fantastic then we're just going right over there zach i've never asked you this question i don't think we've talked about earnest movies in the past before to any great extent but whenever i encounter people that i usually like to share movies with these days they don't know a damn thing about Ernest. They don't know who Ernest is past just the joke of, you know, Ernest and then an action verb and then a noun. Like, <laughs> like that's the joke to everybody. Nobody, nobody's seen the movies. Nobody knows the, the beauty and the gloriousness of the character that Ernest P. Worrell is. So please, Zach, after I've biased you with my description, do you understand Ernest or have you never seen the movie? Are you only aware of it in the same way? Give us your history. Well, I think I I know the the a parody in the sense like I think the Simpsons is probably the one I'm most familiar with, where it's like Ernest does this, like Ernest reports to jury duty. And I, I think I think it's like a good joke. And Bart goes, 
man, they're just not trying anymore. It's it's one of those where, like Rob says, it's earnest verb noun. <laughs> yep. And I think that's I, I did say of, I did say action verb. <laughs> oh, action verb. Excuse me. I really, I've never been. I, I remember even growing up, I never heard of Ernest. That was never even like an option. Like you go to somebody's house and like, hey, you want to watch Ernest Saves Halloween? Or, or like, it's it's like no, I, I never had that before. I haven't really ever thought about Ernest. The only time it's funny while I was watching this, it kind of came to me that in my uh, Disney podcast, like theme park listening stuff. That I dawned on me ha- maybe ten minutes into this, like, oh wait, I think this was the only film they ever shot at Disney MGM Studios. Mm-hmm. And while I was watching it, I looked it up, and I'm like, oh yeah, I was right. And okay. Oddly enough, there's really no seams of that park showing in this. <laughs> okay, you would know that better than I would, for sure. Which disheartens me as the Star Wars fan that I am. Indeed, indeed. But no, I really have no experience with this. And I don't, and like Rob says, I don't even think it's a joke anymore. Like if you make a joke, well, I, like like that's something like that, I think it would go over 99% of people's heads. Okay. So I would say with the exception of the episodes uh, when we've discussed music and visual albums, we have never been more polarized, Zach. <laughs> because... Not only would I say that Ernest was something that – all the Ernest movies were something I watched throughout my childhood. I would honestly say something as as far as that my personality is solely an amalgamation of all the characters in all of the Ernest movies. And we'll get to some of that when we talk about Ernest Saves Christmas. But honestly, I would say – and Zach might be able to comment on this because Zach – we like we said before we've known each other for a while if you want to pick a movie that encapsulates my sense of humor best i would probably give you a list and on that list one of them would be an earnest movie with uh, without a without a doubt so yeah i think i think we're split zach this early in the episode we're split. <laughs> i i don't okay for those someone who's known rob for a little over a decade uh, I do not see. Okay, I've only seen this one movie, so who knows what else is in the Ernest filmography? <laughs> but I do not see any of Rob. I don't Are see you any serious? Ernest. Serious? No. Okay. Ernest okay. Is, Ernest first is too example. Cut. We're gonna we're gonna start first in the, first example in the movie. Literally, the first time we see Ernest in the movie we're discussing today, Ernest Saves Christmas. I'll come back to that about the title in a little bit. The literal, the first time we see Ernest, he's driving his cab on the highway, and he is singing the song "Oh Christmas Tree" to the correct tune, but he's just repeating the words "Oh Christmas Tree" over and over and over. Oh Christmas tree, 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 oh Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. I, I would say that that is 75% of my humor <laughs> in one scene. I, Zach knows I love repetition. And I, I do that all the time. I repeat nonsense over and over and over. And it's just it's just hilarious. <laughs> well, I could see. I, okay. I could see Rob appreciating this type of humor because the first half of this movie is very surreal. Like, okay, it's not surreal, but I guess I, I, we've kind of talked about it's absurd humor. 
Uh, there's a lot of just wonky, uh, wonky things that happen in this. I don't know how much. How much do we want to jump into this movie right now? You know, that's my. That's the thing I need your help with, Zach, to kind of contain me because I will pinball with this. Because even as we're discussing things, I'm, like one scene makes me think of another, of another, of another, of another. So, I, I guess there is one thing I should comment before we even start to discuss the movie, and it's about how we came to discuss this movie, Zach. Well, okay. <laughs> so, so Zach, uh, apparently I ruined an episode. I spoiled too much stuff, and Zach could not bleep it out fast enough. <laughs> that's, I think that's the official story. Um, so we had to record an extra Christmas episode, and I chose this movie, Ernest Saves Christmas. And every time Zach texted me about this movie, he decided to refer to it by its abbreviation <laughs> ESC. And I think the two or three times he did this, I honestly stopped, I paused, and thought to myself, is he trying to, like, low-key tell me escape and we should not do this? That's my question for you, Zach. Was there some kind of, you know, was there, like, a gun-to-your-head scenario that I could have helped you with before we decided to discuss this movie because you were using escape? Because if you remember... I chose. I never referred to it that way. I just called no. it Ernest. So what's the deal? What's the deal, Zach? Were you? No, it's an abbreviation. <laughs> it was. It was easy to type out. There, I had. When I typed that out the numerous times, I had not watched it yet. So, <laughs> okay, there was, okay, there was no well, subconscious. But maybe uh, it was a subconscious. Like I don't even want to watch it, and I want to escape from it. Maybe that. No, no, because like okay, when Rob, when Rob, gets, like, okay, when we're gonna do the film movies next month, and Rob has three episodes devoted to those, that I'd be doing ESC too, but but not this because like I've okay, I've heard of Ernest, like I have really, it's weird, like in today's day and age, it's weird to go into anything and have an objective like blank neutral opinion of something. Yeah. Like in today's day and age, usually somebody has some sort of faint idea of what it is before going into it because otherwise they wouldn't be watching it mm -hmm. i think this would be it for me because i like all i remember about this was the fact that they filmed part of it at disney at one point okay and that's kind of, not positive not negative just a <laughs> fact yeah it's yeah. like something it's like saying something that interested you exactly well yeah but it's like but still it's a fact it's like just because it was sure. filmed it doesn't make it was good or bad yeah it's it's kind of like saying that the, the capital of florida is tallahassee it's like it's not <laughs> there's no bias it's just a fact you can't get mad at it. it's either the capital or it's not i don't know well i don't know people getting mad that that you might not be able to control <laughs> hashtag not my florida capital uh uh but no it's so like like i was not like i wouldn't say that i was thrilled it's not elves who in the hell are you what are you, a goddamn Nazi or something? Is that elf yours? It, it, it's not that sort of like, I can't wait to watch yeah, this Gonzo movie. I, I agree with you that it's not elves, but it was your decision not to release elves. <laughs> well, elves has many, there's many issues as to why elves couldn't be released. So, okay, before we get into any more elves talking, considering we've already talked for like six hours, mm. or this feels like six hours. Um, mm. Ernest, Rob, do you want to give a quick synopsis of what this is for people that have not seen it? I do I do want to give a quick synopsis of this movie, but I, I feel that it's necessary to give a quick synopsis of maybe what Ernest is, because I honestly feel that the movies are just, you know, the extension of or not an extension, but all just representative of the Ernest character. 
And I'm not sure if if uh, if Zach is aware of really the history of Ernest P. Worrell uh, as a character, but it, literally he started from commercials. Did you know that? Yeah, I did a little bit of research on this, and I saw okay, that okay. Ernest had rather extensive uh, history prior to this movie. Yeah, so so apparently there was a, a local TV station. I don't have the the state or the the city written down. But they um, had the idea, someone in there had the idea for this character, Ernest. And he would basically be shot in a commercial through POV from another character's perspective named Vern. And all the commercials would start with Ernest busting into the door of Vern's house and just rambling on about nonsense and causing mayhem. And eventually the monologue from Ernest would develop into good things about the product for the commercial, whatever uh, you know, product the commercial was supporting. And apparently this was so successful in the local sphere of wherever this happened that Ernest eventually got a TV show. Uh, I, I, actually, the next step was that the commercials went national, and that's when they became kind of really famous. People started to know the name Ernest. And then he got a TV show. Which was called Hey Vern, it's Ernst. Ernest, but he would pronounce it Ernst. And so, Hey Vern, it's Ernst. That's what I was going for at the start of our episode, Zach, when I said, Hey Zach, it's Rob. But Zach, I don't even know if Zach is listening. Zach might be going to make a sandwich or something right now. Um, that sounded like his cat's breath right there. So, yeah, Zach is gone. So, I'm just going to keep going. These commercials were so successful that they had a TV show, and this TV show was so successful that they got a series of movies. And I am fairly certain that there are nine Ernest movies in total. That's a crazy amount for a franchise that people do not know about. That I can't, I can't say to somebody, Ernest goes to blank, and they'll be like, oh, I, I know the concept, but I've never seen the movies. And there's nine of them, eight or nine of them. That baffles me. So, to summarize, I guess... Long-winded answer to Zach's question. This movie encapsulates the idea of Ernest. Him basically being a buffoon that, just like the commercials, busts into the house, takes what he wants, says what he wants, does what he wants, much to the demise of whoever he's inflicting it upon. The TV show, the movies expand on this a lot more, and I'm sure we'll get into it as we discuss this Christmas version of it. But the Christmas version involves... Ernest helping Santa get his replacement. Is that good? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's good. For the record, half of those Ernest films are direct-to-video. That's true. I think what all the like the last four or five of them are direct-to-video. Yeah, last four direct-to-video. Basically, everything um, after Ernest Rides Again was was direct-to-video. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, they're all they're all amazing. I've seen them all before. I love them. Ernest is a great character, and and I guess, you know, we should talk about this movie, but Zach, I, I have to ask your opinion, maybe this is a question that's more up your alley, because even though you don't have much of a, an experience with Ernest, that's the perspective I want. Seeing this movie, and I would say this movie being the third of all the Ernest movies, being a decent representation of what that character is, how would you compare this character of Ernest to Pee Wee Herman. I, I've never really seen 
Pee Wee Herman. I've never seen any of the movies, never saw the TV show. Once again, obviously, (laughs) you you can't say Pee Wee Herman without thinking of the movie theater incident. Uh, Well, oh, man. So so you haven't haven't seen the Tim Burton Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Nope. Never seen the TV. I've seen clips of them, but not enough to have an opinion. I am so tempted to say we need to can this episode because so much of what I I think uh, there is a legitimately, (laughs) honestly decent intriguing discussion about the comparison between these two characters specifically these two movies oh god see <laughs> uh, <laughs> folks robbed vet his his cohort before doing oh, this I, zach, zach and i's communication is not poor but it's not the greatest <laughs> well oh. i know i know enough about the Wee herman character like I, i've said there's a Oh God! I know what you're getting at. Like, okay, with my very limited knowledge of both of these characters, and from I, what I, I can... guess, sure, that's an even different perspective than I was expecting. Go for it. <laughs> no, but I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like, they're both is like a um, Arrested Development mental vibe you get from both of these characters. Yes, that is that is probably the biggest and most notable comparison if you know these two characters that they are children in adult bodies to some extent oh yeah because i again like i don't know because obviously Wee herman i think that show is also meant to be a little bit more um off color in the sense of it's it was meant to be a little bit more weird mm-hmm. i think again from what i've seen of Ernest so far because a lot of while i was watching this movie because when, I, when rob originally pitched this and i uh Responded with is ESC a a a Christmas or a cinemati? Like when I think of Ernest, I think of clean cut, wholesome entertainment. I do not think of edgy. I do not think of anything Rob would watch. Like I, I would imagine, like, prior to watching this, the only way I can imagine Rob watching something like this is because he finds it like ironically amusing. As I watch this, the first I'd say the first half because I think there's a very noticeable uh, left turn this makes from weird into uh sentimentality oh yeah they really push the christmas aspect hard in the in the third act for sure i would i would say i think after they rescue santa from the jail is when it really becomes like oh this is a hallmark movie like it's like okay (laughs) we're going full full on no stop into hallmark territory but the first 45 i don't know we get the whole straight up weird the, the, after the Santa rescue from the jail scene, we get the whole where Ernest is pretending to be the snake person for the movie industry. Yeah, but that's that's a hundred and ten percent in the wheelhouse of Disney. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah okay. I, I want to touch it because as I was watching this, I definitely uh, spoiler alert. Um, this is a cinemati, or at least the first half is, and I'll I'll give the rest of it. I'll I'll, I'll ignore the second half oh, because Zach. oh Zach, we're we're. <laughs> <laughs> We're blowing each other's minds right here. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, because the first half of this, there are just how it's shot. Like, the Ernest character is what it is. Like, like he's pretty much what I expected. Nice. It's I'm, glad how- I'm glad you're bringing this up. Uh, there's an, a very, very early scene in the movie that I actually wanted to ask you about, specifically with the cinematography. Did you pick up on when Ernest drives so fast on the highway in his taxi cab, the passenger falls out? Ernest stops the cab, runs out, says, yep. "Mister, you can't get out here. You have a plane to catch." It's amazing. And well, that that whole when, sequence, yeah. Well, well, when he pick when Ernest specifically, it's like this. It's like two shots when Ernest goes to pick up this 
like Ernest's decision is to pick up his customer and bring him back to the cab. Yep. And we don't at first see Ernest literally pick him up. We get a shot from basically the person's torso or his body from the ground up at literally just Ernest making facial expressions like he is lifting something up. Yes. That and then we actually see him with the with the dude in his hands and he walks him back to the cab. What like this is this is mind blowing to me. This seems like the craziest decision. This scene is so jarring in my, from my perspective that we get to see a close up of Ernest grunting and contorting his very rubbery face, and then they cut back to the normal thing. Like why why not just end the scene there? Why cut back to the normal thing? Well, that again, that's part of the inexplicable nature of this film. There are like this is what I was trying to figure out because. At the time, the late 80s, early 90s had a very unique aesthetic. Oh, uh, of course. And I th- it's an aesthetic that you don't even really see parodied anymore. I, I think it's because a lot of people don't even realize it. Again, it's so weird. I'm trying to think. There's something I was watching the other day. And it's like the early 90s were a really, really weird time in pop culture. Mm-hmm. I think you had this weird sort of like post Reagan America, <laughs> and yet you had again you had a, a George or an H W Bush America that obviously the country transformed very differently under Clinton stewardship, and I think you get this weird sort of like okay we're we're moving past the 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 mindset of the eighties yet the nineties were its own thing yeah and you had this again a, a very weird aesthetic that I don't I can't describe it. But I feel this movie does a very good job of encapsulating it. <laughs> yeah, like this, like this movie happened at exactly the right time to take a snapshot of that period we're, we're discussing. Exactly. Between this, like, the fashion, the, like, because it's weird. Because a lot of the same, like, like, even, like, the architecture, and as weird as that sounds like the buildings, because a lot of this was shot on location mm-hmm. in, the, in the Orlando uh, city area. It, it, it's funny, like, everything looks the same as it would today. Like, I, I can very well imagine that you probably could go to, like, all these locations outside of the Disney ones. Okay. And be like, oh, like, this looks the same. Like, oh, there may be a, a new coat of paint on the building. Or, oh, this looks the same. Like, oh, remember the the, <laughs> the part where the, the girl tries to get on the train? Like, oh, look at this. Sure. Look at the airport. Like, I think I even doing, like, it's one of the few, like, consistent facts on this. Like, oh, the Children's Museum is now, like, a, sh- like a local play production theater. It's, yeah. it's like, oh, I, I, again, I, I'm pretty sure the okay. building's probably the exact same to how it looked. It's like, it's weird. But the thing that makes it so weird is just, I guess, obviously, like, the cars. Obviously, cars play a very big emphasis in this. Ernest is driving somewhere constantly in this. Exactly. Yeah, he's basically uh, just a he's a chauffeur. He's a chauffeur. <laughs> essentially, he 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 move. It's funny for a, a titular character of the movie, he essentially moves the plot. He drives the plot, <laughs> but not in a way like we think about. Like you think of like Harry Potter, a titular character drives the plot because the events of the film revolve around him. Yeah, the the events of this film don't really revolve around Ernest in the way you would think. He's they just only a, revolve around him because people need rides places. <laughs> see, he's essentially in the wrong place at the wrong time through most of the film. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of just like, it's convenient for him to help out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's again, but again, that's a weird element to this where, again, you have a titular character who's not really a, a, a main player. He doesn't have any sort of character arc. He's the same character at the beginning of the film that he is at the end. 
Because he has no yeah. growth. Yeah, he has, a, and that's and that's again, that's a very uh, uh, '90s thing because he is essentially. It, it's interesting that this character is a after uh, is a um, commercial because he plays like an after school special. Yes. Yeah, it's a, now, a little on the a little on the wholesome side. Oh, I oh, I'd say on the wholesome side. I, I don't. I, I, the first half, I don't know because there really are some genuinely strange moments. Like, <laughs> I, like Rob said, the guy falls out of the cab. He picks him up. He throws him in the back of the cab. He drives him. He throws him onto like the 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 was it the the baggage porters. Oh my god! Cart. I love I love Ernest gets out of the cab because he knows he has to get out of there quick. So he wants to get the guy's luggage out of there. And there's a shot of Ernest from the trunk, like ripping the dude's suitcase out of the trunk of the cab. He like yanks it four times and then yanks it again and it rips wide open and all the stuff goes everywhere. And he's just like, here's your luggage, sir. That is golden. (laughs) But that's that's like the type of absurd humor that is wholesome. Yeah, it's something like it, it's comical. It's lowest common denominator humor. And it's not raunchy. It's it's firmly within that oh, yeah, Disney yeah. wheelhouse of the nineties. Yeah, and that because, is, I would say, that is a, a very big part of my sense of humor, Zach. The last thing you are is wholesome and not raunchy. So I no, think that I would not say no. as a whole, but part of me is very wholesome and and non vulgar. Uh-huh. Okay, um, uh, self-denial aside. See, Zach, uh, Zach, Zach's the only one who, out of the two of us, that truly thinks I wrote Wonder Shows in. As far as I'm concerned, if I, read, if I wrote Wonder Shows in, that's a different story. I'm not wholesome. But I don't think I've done that yet. We'll see, though. We'll get it. It's the same person, though. <laughs> only time will um, tell. Only time will tell. Um, but no, I think Rob... Okay, without getting into Rob's inner psyche, which is his own conversation. <laughs> but I think what Rob's misidentifying is that it's... I think Rob appreciates the absurd nature of somebody... Like, Rob, Rob's looking at this under a different lens than most people. Like, Ernest, like, having the, the catatonic Englishman in the back seat uh, be thrown onto the baggage porter's mm-hmm. cart as Ernest tries to get his luggage out... And, and, and he he rips the luggage that kind of just comically goes everywhere. That that is Chaplin esque. Yeah, yeah. But I think Rob looks at it in the sense of, oh, this is absurd. The nature that a bag would kind of like, like think about it. like you have a like everybody's had a bag stuck in or something stuck in the trunk of their car. They pull mm-hmm. it and it rips, whether it be. Uh, uh, a garbage bag or like a shopping bag. Yeah, we've yeah. all been there before. I think Rob finds interesting that it's a suitcase that just somehow kind of just like explodes. Yeah, not, not yeah, explodes, you're so right. Yeah, of, it, it is, of, I I love absurd humor. You're at, you're hitting the nail on the head. I think that's the part that you appreciate, not just like the like again. If this was oh, I don't know Family Guy, for example, he'd be pulling on this, and a million uh, fake male phalluses would fall out. Like that's like, like if this was gonna be raunchy. Seeing the fact that he's laughing just proves the point no, I'm more. La- I'm, I, I, no, I'm laughing because I didn't know dildo was one of your unacceptable words, Zach. I know there's some words you just won't say. Like if anyone's, I just won't say. anybody's ever picked up on that, Zach doesn't say a lot of curse words. But I didn't know no. dildo was something you couldn't say. Is not dildo out. the accepted term? Like you'd rather say fake, fake fallacies. <laughs> Well, technically, the male part's re- the second. The male part is redundant. So, that's true. That's true. So, I yes, you're right. Fake fallacies. Okay, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging you anymore see, than folks, I usually am. Zach, see, but, folks, but I did not. I do not think he's deflecting with a straw. He's deflecting with a straw man argument. Point 
two for me. So, so when that happens, that's the sort of thing that like, oh, it's lighthearted, it's comical. But some of the parts in this that I do agree with Rob that are, uh, I, I think, absurd is that he's later on in the film, not trying to skip ahead too far, but it's just the fact that it involves Ernest driving his cab. Yeah. Later, when he has Santa Claus in the back seat, he's there, he's having his his small talk chat with Santa. Oh, that's and not that far. No, not too far, but there's things happen in between it. I don't want to skip too far. Oh, yeah, this is an infinitely dense movie. We should not mislead anybody to that. (laughs) (laughs) So he's driving on the road, and there's a Christmas tree truck, which as somebody who lived in Florida for 12 years, I can tell you that doesn't exist. And in the middle of Orlando, for the record, if everybody knows, this takes place in Orlando. And while Ernest is driving, uh, a tree falls off the back of the truck. Ernest slams <laughs> on his brakes, yeah. <laughs> um, causes a, a minor pileup behind him. And this is probably the most surreal part of the film for me. Ernest t- gets out of the car on the highway, three-lane highway, picks up the tree that's already wrapped, literally opens the door in the back seat, throws it in so hard that the the... The bottom of the tree actually shatters the window next to Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. And Santa Claus is 100% okay with this. Not like, oh, oh, you watch what you're doing here, Ernest. You, you almost put my eye out. Oh, yeah, the first right. thing Santa Claus says in response, I'm pretty sure, is you must have really wanted a tree. Like, he just <laughs> accepts the entire situation after it's occurred, after it's finished. Exactly. And like I, I and the weird thing about this is that like, oh, this is a movie where Santa Claus is real looking for a successor. So it's mm. not like, oh, like why are you taking anything seriously? It's like, no. It's the fact that in a, like <laughs> considering how clean and sanitized Disney is with everything, I'm surprised again, someone at Disney say, Nope, we can't have that. There might be some little boy somewhere in this country that'll see that and throw a Christmas tree through a window. It's like <laughs> everything is sanitized by the legal department. Sure. So when you do get something like that that somehow makes it into the final cut, I find that more surreal than the actual like content in the film. Okay. To me, that that one sequence is more surreal than having the the reindeer on the roof of the luggage center of the Orlando airport. Ah. I have I have another scene to compare for surrealism. Uh, maybe not surrealism. It's a little further, but I think we need because a lot of the 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 jokes about this in this movie really do focus on the fact that well, I think we've mentioned, but we should just clearly establish that this is Santa looking for another Santa. Like basically, in this universe, one Santa can shake hands with anybody, and they become Santa, right? Uh, yeah, I th- yeah, basically. I, I guess the finer details of it is that this movie, I guess, low-key inspired Lost. You remember the show Lost, Zach? How can I forget the show? I know. Lost, I don't think Zach ever watched Lost, but literally the it, like the entire point of Lost was Jacob, the protector of the island, trying to find his protector. Like that's why the plane crashed because the plane was filled with people that were on his list. And in this movie, Santa's like. Hello, Joe. This is indeed a pleasure. Hello. Uh, do I know you? Yes, you do. <laughs> I do? Yes. Now, what I'm going to tell you may sound fantastic, but please, suspend disbelief until I've gotten it all through. Your name was originally on a list with several hundred others. Slowly, for one reason or another, the other names were eliminated. The process took longer than I thought. But now I'm sure. 
I have the right man for the job. Job? Uh, what job? I mean, uh, what is this all about? <laughs> Joe, you are going to be the new... Excuse me, Pop. This is it, Joey. There was a large list of people, and for one reason or another, I, they were all eliminated except you, Mr. Carruthers, and you're going to be the next Santa. That is literally lost. That is the same story as lost, so... Who wrote all this? His name was Jacob. Was Jacob? He died yesterday. You don't seem too upset about it. I'm not. Why are all the names crossed out? They're not all crossed out. Shepard. That'd be Jack Shepard. And he's not the only one. Reyes. That's Hugo, right? What's the eight about? Jacob had a thing for numbers. Sixteen, Gerard. Forty-two, Quan. I don't know if it's son or if it's Jin. Here. Four, Locke. I think we both know him. Last but not least, number 15, Ford. That would be you. Why would he write my name on this wall? I never even met the guy. Oh, no, I'm sure you did meet Jacob. At some point in your life, James, probably when you were young, when you were miserable and vulnerable, he came to you. He manipulated you, pulled your strings like you were a puppet. And as a result, choices that you thought you made were never really choices at all. He was pushing you, James. Pushing you to the island. Why the hell would he do that? Because you're a candidate. Candidate for what? He thought he was the protector of this place. And you, James, have been nominated to take over that job. What does that mean? It means you've got three choices. First, you can do nothing and see how all this plays out. And possibly your name will get crossed out. Second option. You can accept the job, become the new Jacob, and protect the island. Protect it from what? From nothing, James. That's the joke. There's nothing to protect it from. It's just a damned island. And it will be perfectly fine without Jacob, or you, or any of the other people whose lives he wasted. You said there were three choices. 
The third choice, James, is that we just go. We just get the hell off this island. And we never look back. That, I think, is the best way to describe it. The scene I want to now compare for surrealism is after Ernest drops Santa off at the children's hospital to talk to his supposed replacement, Mr. Carruthers. I think it's like Joe Carruthers, something like that. The other guy in this movie that looks like Santa. As Santa is describing the position of new Santa to this dude, we get the introduction to Mr. Bad Show Business Man. You know who I'm talking about, Zach? <laughs> of course, the, 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 the smarmy agent. Yes, I think his name is like Brock, like Martin Brock or something like that. And so our introduction to him is not in the scene with Santa and, and the uh, replacement Santa. It's him driving up to a children's hospital in his sports car. And after he just drives up to the entrance, leaves his car, his convertible, he takes his keys and he throws them at a mailman and says, park it anywhere, thinking that it's a valet. So one, I get the joke that he thinks this mailman is a valet. But there is a sincere level of absurdity in the fact that this person had to know he was driving to a children's hospital. And he (laughs) thinks there would be a valet service at a children's hospital. At any hospital. That is what is most absurd to me. So there, there is a level of absurdity in here that is truly existent, right? Oh, yeah. It's funny. I didn't even think of it that way until you just mentioned it. Oh, yeah. There's uh, another layer to that joke. I love the fact that it's a mailman that he, throw, that he thinks is a valet because the mailman is clearly holding his satchel and mail in his hands. <laughs> But I get well, that's, that's oblivious, well, you know. I, oh yeah, definitely. Because the 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 superficial and probably pretty much nine tenths of that joke are just the fact he's oblivious, he's obnoxious. It's 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 the smarmy aging character. That's just it's been around forever in any sort of one of these movies. Even this year's A Star Is Born has that exact same character. It's funny how oh, that okay. character's that is a character archetype that's just uh, set in concrete. Uh, but no, it's it's the idea, like you said, that it's is it a, is it a museum or a hospital? I'm pretty sure it's a children's hospital. All right, whatever. Because I'm pretty sure because is it because he's filming a TV show there, isn't he? No, I th- I think when we first get introduced to this replacement Santa, he is just uh, performing for these children at the children's hospital because when the agent comes in, he's like, "I know you're bummed about your TV show getting canceled, but I heard you have a I, like here's a movie deal for you." So I think this is like what he's doing in between jobs. Is this the same one that they go to at the end of the movie, and they're all waiting for Ernest with the sleigh at the very oh, end? Oh yeah, yeah. This is yeah. It's just that it's literally the climax of this movie takes place on the opposite side of the street where the the bad agent man threw the keys at the mailman earlier. In the yes. Movie. <laughs> all right. So I'm looking on Wikipedia. And it says it is the children's museum. Museum. Yeah. Because I thought because I was thinking about the very end. You have the receptionist who closes the doors. You can't close a hospital. I think that that's. That's what I was thinking. Point. That's a good point. Yeah. I for some reason I hospital. thought these kids were sick. I thought these kids were sick as they're shit. They're probably sick. They're probably sick. <laughs> <laughs> this was the field trip from the children's hospital to the children's museum. Essentially, they live in Orlando. Who? Who? who <laughs> Why don't they just find them? What kind of person who lives in Orlando? <laughs> 
goes to a children's museum. I think of all. I don't know. Honestly, I do not know how to answer that question. But I feel like my point from earlier still stands that this dude would think that there's a valet children's museum. (laughs) No, you're still correct though. But the whole idea of what kind of child goes to a children's museum in Orlando, Florida, like if you, I don't know. There are very few things I can say they're out and out boring to do in Orlando. Somehow they, (laughs) it's funny, a movie produced (laughs) by a company that has four theme parks and three water parks at that time. Time, somehow found the most boring location to set their film. <laughs> to be fair, uh, as as I established with Zach, I think in the, <laughs> the twelve hours we've recorded, or we talked prior to this recording, I think Florida is just under a constant, constant barrage of hurricanes and doesn't actually exist. So yes, Rob's I'm convinced not, that the state is I cannot answer at any question. given time. <laughs> Oh dear. So yes, that that is a layer to the joke of the, of the of the smarmy agent and the mailman that I wasn't I didn't even think of. But yeah, there, there is a layer to this film that is this weird sort of uh, balancing act between surrealism and absurdism. It really yeah. I, 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 that's such a weird thing because even like you look at Ernest's house, and <laughs> it's shot like it looks like a scene from Freaked. Like it's just it has like it has like junk. It's like it's a movie that we'll probably talk about sooner rather than later. Is nothing but trouble with <laughs> with Dan Aykroyd, where it's just like you could just feel everything is tangible. Oh, like yeah. and obviously not forget the thing about like, oh we're on CG would be a lot easier. No, it just it feels like like this is clearly a set, but it feels real. Like yeah, the environment, a, the environment of the movie is palatable. You can understand its impact to the characters. Exactly. And I think that goes back to this weird sort of like 80s, 90s absurdism aesthetic. Okay. And I, I can, that's what this movie is. So like this movie feels more like, like maybe that's why nobody knows what it is, is that it's a movie that's firmly grounded. And I guess Ernest himself is firmly grounded into the late 80s, early 90s era. Yep, 100%. So maybe that's why a lot of people can't discern what what's... Uh, or why they would watch this. Plus, there's the whole issue that we discussed before, where it's like, oh, Disney owns this. Disney doesn't care about it. So no one's ever going to see it. Hey, it's yeah. just, it's just Disney owns it. It's not a priority like the the majority of things they own. So, guess what? If you like this stuff, unless you have a DVD copy from from 15 years ago, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I mean it's a bummer. Um, I guess the the silver lining is you know the copy that we have, Zach, is pretty good. <laughs> Which is weird because I don't think this has ever been released on on high definition before. I got. I have to. Look. I have to kind of kind of you know comment on that in that I, I did not when I pitched this movie to Zach and I was like, oh yeah, Ernest saves Christmas, and there was a whole whole story about a me and Ernest saves Halloween or whatever that movie's called, and and a ladybug. That's a story for another time. <laughs> Holy shit, there's a fucking ladybug in my apartment! How does this happen? How do these exist? Oh my god, it's going for my banned business cards! What do I do? What do I do with a fucking ladybug in the middle of winter? This is this is fucking ridiculous! What do I do with a ladybug in the middle of winter? It shouldn't it shouldn't be alive, but it is alive and Is it my pet? Is it my pet now? Is that what I'm... I guess that's what I'm settling on, that it's my pet. It, right now, it is on a pile of an inferiority complex business cards. 
This is this is just my pet now. Should I put it in my plant? Oh. Oh no. Oh my god. I don't want more ladybugs. Um, but when I pitched this movie, I, I, I like found that I actually didn't have it. So I had to search a copy for it, search for a copy of it, I should say. And I'm kind of blown away by how good the quality of both the audio and the video is in this version. This has never been released on Blu-ray before. Man, wow. That, yeah, that makes me even more impressed. Because I'm trying to figure out who made, who made the other movies. Yeah. Disney did, uh, goes to camp. Okay. No, but a touchstone. Oh, it's also okay. There's a story about why this is a touchstone release and not a Disney release. No, the touchstone. I I've always loved the touchstone music. I'm glad you reminded me about that. The doo yeah, yeah. It's all touchstone. So no, this is it's weird. So they've they've released. A, okay, I'll read off the ones they've released so far. They've released Ghost Camp, Goes to Jail, uh, Camp Nowhere, Goes to uh, Ernest. Okay, that's the wrong thing. Ernest Scared Stupid. Mm-hmm. Ernest that's goes the, to camp that's the Halloween one. Yeah, Ernest yes. Scared Stupid. They have not released Goes to School, Saves Christmas, or Slam Dunk Ernest. Okay. It's odd because. Okay, Mil- okay, so Disney really doesn't care about these. Um, uh, <laughs> Does Disney Ernest- care about anything other than Star Wars and Marvel and animated children's movies? I, I don't even think they care about Star Wars anymore. I think it's become a burden. It's Marvel, live-action, cartoons, and that's pretty much it. Welcome to Knights of Vader After Dark, <laughs> where Zach says things will upset most of the fans, uh, I imagine. <laughs> oh, it's true, though. Disney doesn't care about Star Wars. They wouldn't be acting the way they are with it. Uh, no, the reason why I'm saying they don't care about uh, Ernest is that yeah. the Ernest Scared Stupid, which I know shows I, – I, I've, I've seen that show up every once in a while in my um, world. And yeah. it was released on Blu-ray in August of 2011, and it was released by the, the Blu-ray label Mill Creek Entertainment. If you are a Blu-ray aficionado like myself, you know uh, Mill Creek is where titles go to die. Um <laughs> The fact that Disney didn't release it is never a good sign. When Disney lets somebody else like yeah. license the title, that's not a good sign. And the fact that they let Mill Creek do it means they just really don't care. Yeah, like th- that's and if you yeah. look, apparently the Blu-ray goes for like sixty dollars now. Oh my god. So 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 obviously it's out of print, nobody's making it anymore. Well, I do have a pretty good copy of that as well. So we're we're safe, Zach. That's that's weird though. I'm curious. Like, okay, but is there a review? Let me see if there's a review of it. Yeah, and, the, and even then, the review quality of Ernest Scared Stupid, the video quality is like a three out of five, which is decent for something like this. Sneak no bon- peek, sneak peek to next month's over. That's what we're discussing. Yeah, I figured as such, but no, like no special features on the Blu-ray disc. I don't. I mean, I, I feel that that's not you know um, a limitation from the distributors. I think that there were literally no special features to this movie. They just the movie is everything they filmed. <laughs> well, not, not, I, well, I don't mean like that. You can you can always do like obviously when they release this, Jim Varney was dead on on Blu-ray. He was mm-hmm. he was long dead. Yep. But you can always interview. There's directors. There's actors. There's crew. You can always interview people. Like most people, if you go to them and say like you worked on this movie, can we talk to you for a half an hour about it? I think they've most, all said no. Everybody's always said no, and the movie's one long take, one shot. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's a one take film it's, it's an Ed Wood production that's how pretty crazy much. it is they literally the movie opens where they give Jim Varney a plate of Brussels sprouts and he gets pissed off about it 
And while he rants for, for 45 minutes about Brussels sprouts, they build the troll costume, <laughs> and then they film an Ernest movie. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, uh, but... <laughs> Well, that's a phrase. That was a phrase that was just said. Description of that movie I've ever given. (laughs) Well, that was a phrase that was just said. We do talk about things on cinematis, like Mm -hmm. uh, things that are absurd, yet there is a wholesomeness to it. Like freak, like freak, freak has its raunchy elements to it. But there, but there is a. I don't want to call freak wholesome, but there is a, a no. It's wholesome. It's it's wholesome. No, in its sense of teamwork, it's wholesome. (laughs) Sure. That's the weird thing about, like, when we look at stuff that's surreal today, like we were talking, I think, last week about the new Adult Swim show, The Shivering Truth. That is a very surreal show that's matched in its surreal nature by its cynicism toward everything. Okay. And I think that's what's kind of oddly happened today when it comes to surreal media, that it has to be uh, drenched in in a level of, like, contempt for something. Mm Mm-hmm. People figure you know, the only time something can be distorted is if it's if, if it loathes itself or it loathes the world around it. Yeah, this, you're so this, right. Yeah, this is an example of like Ernest is a wholesome character through and through, and yet he lives. I don't even want to say lives because again, the latter half of this film does not really have much in common with the first half. Absolutely. And yet, you do have this weird blend that only the late '80s, early '90s can give you. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. I, I feel like you are correct, uh, not only about that kind of evolution of how people want their absurd humor or the masses want their absurd humor, but uh, that's kind of uh, the cycle or the path that my own humor has gone through. Because like I said at the start of this, you know, I watched these when I was younger and I feel like they shaped my sense of humor and getting this wholesome version of it probably desensitized me enough to absurdity that I have just been, you know, searching for and searching for more and more aggressive, absurd humor. <laughs> and that's when you hit the things like uh, Shivering Truth and Wonder Chosen, which is based, written by the same guy, right? Yes. <laughs> that's when you get Towley. <laughs> that you're hearing right now on this you podcast. You wake up one day as a five-year-old and watch the Ernest movies. The next day you wake up as a towel getting high. <laughs> More or less. But I think, like, again, I, as Rob knows, I am a connoisseur of context. I think it's more fun to explore how we get these things and sometimes, like, the actual uh, yeah. media itself. But, like, thinking about, like, what was in this time frame. Because this movie came out in, what, 1990? 1990- oh, 88. Yeah, right? uh, yeah, this was the third one, so... 84, 86, 88, yeah, 88. Okay, wow, this doesn't feel like 88. This feels like a, ni- a movie made, like, like released in 1992. This is weird. It's ahead of its time. <laughs> well, I think this is a weird sort of defining moment, because, like, I think about, like, like because clearly this was made for children ages, like, 5 to 9. Mm-hmm. Yes, adults can appreciate, but it's not made for for anybody really over the age of, like, 11. That's not its demographic. Sure. Um, even though there is there are elements that adults can appreciate, but like thinking about things that would later come for like children, because clearly this resonated somewhat with children at the time. It wasn't a huge box office success, but it made money for its time. Is that like look at what would come? You'd have things like you know, like again wholesome yet surreal entertainment. Mm-hmm. You would have things that like were dug 
or Rugrats. Yep. Or or things like that where like, you think of Rugrats and you think, what do you mean by surreal wholesome? Well, if you look at Rugrats, the babies are always going on adventures that are truly just uh, like surreal absurd. Oh, yeah. The, yet, a big part of that show was based on the concept of imagination. Exactly. Which, well, which is, you know, kind of inherently absurd. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't exist anymore either. Um, like the Simpsons always say, uh, television killed imagination. And, and yeah, I think, and, and even look at Doug, Doug is the whole thing that Doug has all these fantasies, mm. like something happens to him. He has a fantasy, whether it be he's quail man. Yeah. I, I forget this. He has his James Bond version. He has oh, his uh, yeah. rock star version. Uh, was a smash Adams or something. I think it's the James smash Bond. Adams. That sounds like one of them. <laughs> yeah. And I think like you do have this level of, I think that might be the best way to describe this t- this very unique period in media of the late 80s early 90s it's surreal absurdist humor with no cynicism because yeah. the rugrats babies don't hate themselves they don't hate the world they live in the world doesn't hate hate them and doug is very similar yeah. uh ren and stimpy is the exact uh, is a is the opposite side of that where you have a very oh. very surreal world where there's just there's there's cynicism just everywhere um, I think there's one episode where isn't it like I could uh, Ren like punches somebody in the face until they're a bloody pulp for like, like for like 13 minutes straight. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like all of Ren and Stimpy was <laughs> fairly gory to some extent. You exactly. Know, everybody getting hurt and then you can see the physical effects. Like I'm just thinking of thinking of both characters, Ren and Stimpy, how many times we see them with like puffy faces, black eyes, damaged noses, uh, slings for arms and crutches and stuff like that. Exactly, and then that's when you could see, but when you get later into the 90s, that even though Rugrats and Doug were popular in the 90s, they started to fade, and you had things like Beavis and Butthead, Daria, um, South Park, mm-hmm. and, and that's why I constantly, you can kind of feel this weird transition, yeah. of, you're going from, the, again, you have the conservative Reagan era, the, then you have the H.W. Bush era, where things started to change a little bit. We started getting more progressive. And then by, obviously, the early 90s, we were in a progressive society for the next eight years. And it never mm-hmm. really it, it never really stopped from there. Um, you can make the argument that the, the late 80s, early 90s kind of stalled the progressive era of the 60s and 70s. Mm. Uh, but that's a topic for another day. But no, I think – because as I was watching this, I, I, you could feel like there is something – like you can you feel like you're out of time in this. It's yeah. a very weird moment because eight. Like we all we all know, eighties nostalgia. Eighties nostalgia is very very tangible. You can point to it and say, "There it is." Yeah. And yet with this, it's it's like funny. Like everybody's everybody's funny. Like there's songs like oh god, um, like there's like nineties nostalgia songs now where we're like trying to do like what is it a. Uh, TLC waterfalls like there's oh, like this, okay like like there's like 90s nostalgia now and yet 90s nostalgia is such a weird thing because it it wasn't constant like yeah. i think like let's say let's say somebody came to us and said we want you to make a movie in the style of Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs> like, how would you even like? Like, it's funny. Like, you, we don't get any nostalgia based off this because I don't think anybody knows how to uh, pinpoint it. Number one, and never mm-hmm. mind distill it. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, I, I feel like if this question was ever asked, it was to J.J. Abrams and Lindelof, and they came up with Lost. <laughs> but but they at the same time they didn't recreate it. They just took the concept and twisted it around to fit a story that they could do something with. You're right, you know, both along the lines of uh, not just recreating this movie, but in terms of this movie's place 
in 80s nostalgia, it doesn't have a place. I don't think there's anything in this movie that the the common person who say is like, you know, uh, when they think, I, I would say the masses today, when they think of 80s nostalgia, they're thinking of, of stuff like, you know, Stranger Things and, and, the, and yep, what yep, they get yep. thrown there. Thank you. And, and we don't get anything like that from this Ernest movie. I would say any of the Ernest movies. Well, yeah. Of the, I, of the 80s ones, at least. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think that's the issue, though, because it's funny you mentioned Stranger Things, because as I was even talking, I heard you talking. It was like, okay, um, if you want like pure, uncut 80s nostalgia, shoved into your veins you oh, just yeah. watch stranger things is like a drug like if, if you are in this like considering <laughs> today's culture is obsessed with 80s nostalgia yeah. um it's like it's like having a junkie and you basically give them the the the, the mo- again rob knows his drug terminology more than i do but it's like <laughs> the most uncut pure form of cocaine possible that's what stranger things is to the culture it's like oh god this is said like it's like for every like original like project we get in 2018 stranger things sets us every season of stranger things sets us back five years that's a uh, that's a completely accurate way to describe it and i am i've said it before i don't think on this podcast but you know the first time someone pitched stranger things to me and said that i should watch it they recommended it to me one of their big selling points was that it was like incredibly representative of the 80s and I know for a fact the people who were ex- describing this to me were not alive in the 80s. <laughs> so I was kind of like, like, so what, are, are, you te- are you literally telling me that you read an article and you're telling me the information in the article and then you watched the show and you liked the show and so I should watch it? And uh, to make a long story short, I guess the end of the story was, is it over? Because I don't watch things until they're over. And they were like, no, just the first season's over. And I said, okay, not watching it. <laughs> I think that makes your point, Zach, that literally 80s nostalgia was a selling point of the first season of Stranger Things, and people latched onto it. Well, yeah, I think people are stupid. Uh, yeah, uh, we're on the same page. <laughs> well, because, again, I think, okay, because I, I don't want to get too far from Ernest, though, but I think this all this points, because, again, like, there's not, like we, like, we can talk about the movie, but, like, the, the problem with this movie, though, is that, like, it is superficial. Like, yes, we can go through with a fine-tooth comb and be like, okay, you know that part where we have, like, like it's funny, we have an entire, yeah. we have a B-plot of this entire film with two guys working in the luggage department of Orlando Airport that are trying to figure out what's up with the reindeers on the ceiling. Yes, they are, and, apparently they are characters from the TV show. And oh, this are they? Like, this was, like, the first movie they appeared in, so that's why that was a whole B-plot. Okay, because I found it weird that in a movie we have a B plot. Yeah, uh, I, I found that weird. Like we have, a, we have a, like a very, very. I mean, yes, it ties in toward the climax. Yeah, but, but the, no, the, I, the, I see exactly. I hear exactly what you're saying, and I agree because that's these types of movies. And I think this is not the first type of movie that we've encountered on Cinemodities where if we dig through it with a fine tooth comb, the entire conversation is just me describing scenes I found funny. Like, yes. Like that's how superficial these types of movie movies are. And and there is this greater layer to them as to kind of why am I so enthralled where I can make a note a minute for movies like this, but other things men, women and children pops into my mind. I just completely disregard at your own loss. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 20 years from now, someone will look back at men, women, and children and realize that was a perfect snapshot of early 2010s culture <laughs> that nobody could put their finger on. It'll be the one thing the aliens find in the rubble. That in Book of Henry. <laughs>
That in Book of Henry. Oh, I God, I hope uh, no. If those two exist, I hope the two episodes of our podcast describing them exist as well. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, uh, but yeah, this movie. Like you have certain scenes that even like it's funny. Like you would think, like when he like Ernest goes into the the town uh, the agent's office and he's dressed obviously in drag as as oh, the old woman. Yes. yes, as Brock's mother, and he has all these jokes about the fact that, like, uh, I need to talk to my son. Oh, why? I'm planning my will. Oh, well, <laughs> why do you have to do that? Because I had to walk from the airport. I'm on the verge of death. Like that. <laughs> like that. Doesn't like, doesn't she have he have the line or something where it's like, you have two sons, and yep. just your luck, the good one dies. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and that's another scene where again you have the absurdist humor. Married with just the surreal nature of the conversation, because oh, yeah. for for late '80s, that again, uh, even though you had Mike, Monty Python, the uh, guy at that point, twenty years earlier, doing Men in Drag, for a Disney film, I don't know. Mrs. Doubtfire was before or after this. Oh, oh, I would not know off the top of my head. Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> wouldn't come out for another five years. Okay, and and I would say again. To have a man in drag mm-hmm. uh, as a gag, and like I said, Monty Python done though. But at that point, Monty Python was again the '80s were a much more conservative era than the '60s. Yes. Yes. I think to have that—that's—that's that's a really boundary-pushing thing again for okay. a Disney movie. Okay, that's that's fair, and you know, and we do get the whole kind of you know shtick that Ernest does different characters as he needs to influence certain situations. But the other ones that we get, you know, him being what the uh, the bureaucrat or the government worker to to break Santa out of jail, and then the snake wrangler, the snake person at the movie studio. This is the only one that is, you know, I would say, kind of unexpected with the with the drag. Exactly. Oh yeah, and I think it's not just the drag; it's also just the conversation about the fact. Oh, that, oh yeah. Like, I, I had a son who died. Like, the good son died first. I would say that that with with you know my uh, that's kind of one of the hallmarks of Ernest. I would say is that when he does characters, it's like his ability to conversate and convey. No matter what character he conveys, he can talk to another person and intimidate them into doing what he wants them to. It's almost like a superpower. <laughs> All the other personas he does again, like the 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 aide to the governor, the that's the my snake favorite wrangler. one. I have to say as well, my the aide to the governor, the 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 full teeth grin laugh after every line is is godly. That's so funny. To- <laughs> I hate to interrupt your meeting, Chief Spinks, but he said he was from the governor's office. Great, that's just what I need today. Some know nothing from the capital taking time out of his busy day to come down here and tell me how to run my hell no. I'm Chief Spinks. How can I help you? Clement here, Astor Clement. I'm with the Governor's State Correctional Institutional Prison Affair Treatment Task Force. And this is the Governor's niece, Mendy. <laughs> Mendy's writing a school paper on how government really works. How nice. This is a surprise inspection, Chief. <laughs> now, wait just a minute. Do you need an education to be Chief, or can just... Anybody do it. We had to fight our way through an army of TV cameramen just to get in here. Now, look here. I don't know what... Is that S-P-I-N-K-S or S-P-E-N-K-S? Now, look, I don't know... I can't tell you what a pet project this is of Governor Ellington's. (laughs) TV cameramen, are we communicating here? 
<laughs> Were you elected into office, or did you just buy your way in? Isn't she a doll? <laughs> Well, I think part of the thing, too, is that, like, even when I was watching that that part of the film, I couldn't even really even tell that was him. Oh, like, it's, It seems okay. so far removed. It really from... is kind of, it, it's shocking, I, at least it, uh, even this time when I rewatched it for this recording, it took me, like, two seconds to be like, oh, oh, shit, that's Ernest. Okay, I get what's going on. <laughs> well, yeah, plus I have him a little bit more cleaned up than than he does look in the rest of the movie for most of the movie he's he's sweaty and dirty he has hair slicked back he's got a suit on he's got a nice patterned tie yeah he's he's more refined and oh and then but you but you're even with the other scene with the drag and i think the only the snake one the snake wrangler is the lacking one but the conversation the way that Ernest and harmony star she's impersonating what the governor's daughter or granddaughter yeah, or something like something that something like that yeah uh the conversation that they have the way that they are able to just bombard these other minor characters with dialogue is is perfect it, it's it's so finessed i love these scenes well yeah i think this is where this is a part of the film that works for adults mm-hmm. because obviously when when uh johnny and janie want to go see this you need something for the parents which again is yeah, definitely yeah. something that would later show up in in Pixar films. Uh, I think this is stuff that I think Disney animation during the the guy. I don't think they really honestly learned about learned until probably God twenty years later. Mm-hmm. Was you do need that element for the adults. You need multiple layers in these kitty movies to appease the adults that are dragged Absolutely. to them. Oh yeah, not not just like a couple of like wink wink nudge nudges occasionally. You de- and even though this film doesn't really, I don't want to say it masters it, but you do need something like the earnest shtick. Absolutely, I think one of the best examples that we didn't point out from way earlier in the movie, the very beginning, the number of the taxi cab that Ernest is driving. Taxi don't cabs. Tell me. Us- Taxi cabs usually have like five, like maybe a letter and four numbers or five numbers and two letters. This is just 69. Oh, <laughs> it they really did that. Oh, oh, yeah. His cab is 69. Yep. Oh. Straight up. Straight up. 69. That's, dis- that's disappointing. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's easy. Yeah. Well, like, say, like not. <sighs> the problem, though, is that like so much stuff borrows from like does that sort of humor now. Absolutely. That that like it devalued like back in nineteen eighty eight, I can imagine you probably could count the amount of kitty movies that, that would have done that on one hand. Yeah, even I mean, oh geez, I saw what was that Kevin James voiced a cow in an animated movie about barnyard animals? I don't know what this is, but I'm, I am very curious all the time. I, I saw it in theaters with the heck boy kid. Zach knows what that means. Um, there's a 69 joke in there, Ke- I remember. Kevin James voices a cow. Yeah, yeah, it's an animated, it's a 3D animated movie about barnyard animals, and I'm fairly certain the main character is a cow, and it's Ke- Kevin James voices him. The fact that it exists blows my mind. I, I know, I understand that it is blowing your mind, but I did not expect it to do so, so. <laughs> no, that 69 joke, man. I figured Ernest was above that. <laughs> yes, Ernest has a 69 joke And then Kevin James makes a 69 joke In Barnyard and probably in A bunch of other movies in King of Queens, I'm sure The, the Ernest 69 cab joke Probably at the time was clever 
I'll take that. Okay, this film's not entirely void of cynicism because that definitely adds a little bit in there. I think you know maybe the the whole tone of the movie isn't cynic, but I would say that we do get some, you know, maybe not cynicism, uh, maybe slightly more pessimism from the character. Of course, we have a movie where Ernest meets Santa. Santa's looking for a replacement. What's the other logical character to include? The naughty kid that doesn't believe in Santa, Santa. and that's Harmony Star in this movie, the girl. Who has she's, one of, she's one of my favorite characters ever, I have to say. I love Harmony Star. I, I think this goes back to what I was saying, that these movies shaped my personality. Zach, I don't know if you recall, but there is literally a scene where Harmony Star is sleeping on the couch, and then a pancake falls on her face. Oh, yeah. And she wakes up, and oh, Ernest, yeah. is, Ernest is flipping pancakes, and apparently he flipped one onto her. Let me tell you, the, there is an extra pancake in that scene. I'm not going to get into it, because it would, it would, we, you need to, we'll make a YouTube video. It'll be the first Sam Oddity's YouTube video about me describing how Ernest has a pancake he physically cannot have in this scene. But she gets hit with the pancake, she wakes up, Ernest goes on his spiel, saying a bunch of nonsense about breakfast, and Harmony Star has the fantastic line, which I literally might have said to Zach before in my life. She goes, Ernest, I'm not that much of a morning person, so could we keep it to a dull roar? <laughs> yeah, I heard That's that. Me. Rise and shine. It's time to put fuel in the tank and rubber on the road and reunite old Father Christmas, a close personal friend of mine, with his magic sack. Ernest, I'm, I'm not much of a morning person. You think we could just keep it down to a dull roar? That is me. I, I, I cannot express to you how often I use the phrase, can you keep it to a dull roar? I've been saying this ever since I've seen this goddamn movie. <laughs> well, that, that, okay, I noticed that line of dialogue because it's also, uh, no, how old is she supposed to be? 11? Harmony? Yeah, in the film. Oh, she's got to be older than 11 in the film. Because uh, Santa says her age a couple of times. I think she might. I, I feel she's closer to 15. She says she's 15, but I think she's supposed to be younger. Oh, that's a good point. Mm. Yeah, the whole Santa thing where he's like, it's, it's, it's dangerous for a girl to be your age out on her own. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm 15 or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, good point. Anyway, though, she should, still even at fifteen, uh, that line of dialogue feels like again, no, no, buddy, fifteen or younger, excluding Rob, talks that way. <laughs> so that feels like a line that's written by a forty-year-old man. Suspend that's a your disbelief, Zach. There can be no. smart children, you ageist. No, it's not smart children. You're using you're using terminology. Zach's and, not racist. That, Zach's not sexist. Zach is ageist. That's what we're learning ageist. right now. Sure, sure. Because that's just that's just, that's a line of dialogue that takes me out of the movie because it's like, oh, no, no child talks this way unless the script tells them to. And then if that's not bad enough from taking me out of the film, you have the moment where like he said Rob's talking about Ernest going through his entire thing flipping the pancakes. Mm-hmm. Well, she's not even he's doing it on a on a griddle, not even like uh, oh yeah, he has a contact grill for pancakes. Con- yes, that is, that is not. I don't think it works that way. <laughs> you could use it that you could use it that way, I guess. I mean, you but. could, and unless that, unless you have like what twelve sticks of butter melted on that, it's it's gonna stick for pancakes. Like that's the like, like that's the point of crepes. Like crepes are low heat. Like you can't do high heat contact grill pancakes. <laughs> it's 
gonna stick. It's gonna burn. It's interesting. Rob mentions the butter. You need twelve pieces of butter. <laughs> at that, at, yes. As that scene concludes, it ends, and this is the absurdest part of the film. Oh, Ernest has a giant yes. bowl of like melted butter. And he literally, like, or like, what's it called? Like the I can't believe it's not butter. Like the not soft serve. That's not the right word. But like, huh? right? What's it called? Margarine, right? Yeah, margarine essentially. And he just like has a giant bowl that he just butter slowly. Substitute. But yes, butter substitute. And he slowly just starts to like mush his hands into it, and the scene ends. Well, 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 okay. Two things. One, we should change the name of the podcast to Butter Substitute. I really like that. <laughs> two. The reason he puts this butter substitute or this tub of margarine, whatever it might be, on his hands is because as he's when he finishes his monologue or not monologue, but um, his big kind of, you know, motivational speech to Harmony Star about how they need to help Santa. He puts his hands down like he's, you know, triumphant, like I'm done. But he puts his hands on the griddle when it's hot. And he lifts his hands up because they, they're they burnt, and you can see a slight twinge of pain, but I've always taken this scene to be Ernest feels he needs to cover that he feels pain, and his solution is to literally wash his hands in butter. And how so does that it, change it, it, the, the, the absurd nature of it? So, uh, it changes the absurd nature because earlier in this movie, we hear the line, I'm pretty sure it's a scene earlier, maybe two scenes, where Ernest says something to Harmony Star along the lines of, and if I'm correct, which I usually am, that establishes that Ernest always wants to be right. He doesn't want to admit weakness. He doesn't want to admit fault, no matter how goofy the things he has to do is to cover himself up. He burnt his hands by accident. He doesn't want to admit that to the person he just gave a, a motivational speech to, so he rubs his hands in butter. That is the earnest character. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters how you think you're going to come across. Does that make sense? I don't disagree with that at all, but it's still a very, very uh, weird... It's a weird oh, yeah. scene that fits it's in absurd. with the first half of this movie. I, I would say literally that description of Ernest, which might be the best description of Ernest I've ever given, is probably analogous to absurdity, right? Yeah. It works. Like I said, it works in the context of what this movie. Like, do we? Okay, what? What is the point of this movie? Like, what is it they're trying to get at? Like, okay, I, I so, don't mean. So, I'm not so, trying to do that to put the movie on the spot. I'm just asking. Like, like, what is the point of this movie other than making to repeat money? Something Zach once said to. Oh, you said other than that. You said that to me once. <laughs> Go ahead. Pretend that's I didn't I say was, it. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say the point of every movie is to make money. And that remember that came from our Winter Soldier conversation where I was like, Zach, this movie was stupid. And you were like, no, I like the message. And I was like, the message was to buy the next fucking ticket. Like, that was the message. Why do you like that? And Zach tried to explain something to me about that movie. But I was like, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> it was to make money. And other than that, uh, I would say, honestly, the point of this movie, I would hope I don't have I haven't done a lot of research into the finer details of this. But honestly, with the amount of enjoyment that I receive from the <laughs> movies, I, I hope that, that Jim Varney made these because he had a good time. 
I like the fact that I asked Rob why did they make this movie. His response is, "I enjoyed it." That I like no, how. No, that- no, 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 no. My response was that my response is that because Jim Varney enjoyed it, and that is my response because I am influenced by my enjoyment. <laughs> Once again, it's about That's him. A, why? Why does it's it get a very made different? It's not just my enjoyment. It's 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 like a vicarious version of my enjoyment. Once again, it, I think he's missing the point. That he's tying it to himself. What's why wrong? Did, with that, why did Jack? Why did Da Vinci paint the Mona Lisa? Because he knew one day I would see it. It's well, like that. No, no, that no, no. That she was horny. <laughs> sure, but still, it's the idea that Rob. It's a and Rob makes it about himself, which I find <laughs> interesting, which on, explains no, no, a lot. Hold on, I just want to backtrack. You, did you just say why did Da Vinci paint the Mona Lisa? Because and then. The other person's answer, not necessarily me, the other person's answer yes. would be, because one day I would see it? Yes. Cinemonities should become a sketch comedy show at this point with how many great, hilarious ideas we have, Zach. I want, golden. I want everybody to know that when Rob was trying to comprehend what I just said, he did a very similar earnest fingers in the margarine bowl action with his hands. <laughs> so I, so there is a subliminal effect or subconscious effect this movie's hey, having on hey, him. I, I, I can said attest at the to. start of this that my personality is a blend of every character in every Ernest movie. That's nine or eight, eight or nine copies of Ernest in that in that mix. <laughs> I, I know what it showed. It showed. Zach is uh, like, it's all coming together now. <laughs> like, is there anything on these movies that, like, okay, they made money. So, like, and, and concerning that every single one of these movies is, like, Rob already stated, action, it's earnest, action verb, noun. Was it just, like, okay, this year we did Ernest Goes to Prison. Next year we're doing a Christmas one. It basically, they were giving carte blanche to do whatever they wanted. I think is- uh, it started with the first three. I'm uh, I'm pretty sure with the first three, the the movie studio was like, we want to capitalize on the success of the television show, and I think they had a contract to do three to to start to try and introduce the character to a wider audience in a grander scheme to do things more holiday related. Cause they're, they're all kind of holiday related, even though, you know, like the jail ones and stuff like that. They do have references to things that I think a lot of people can latch onto. Um, uh, but, and they wanted to introduce more characters from the show. But uh, as far as I know, after the third one, maybe after the fourth one, it became more of Jim Varney's, the character who plays Ernest, his kind of project where he was writing, he was producing, he was, he was really trying to push forward these earnest movies more than a studio. All right. I, I can get behind that. Okay. Because because th- that's my that's my fascination with this because was this something like again, earnest is in again, and this really wasn't terminology used back then, but like earnest is an IP. Mm-hmm. As long as it's got Jim Varney in it, nobody cares what it's gonna be about at the end of the day. As long as it's his, as long as it's his <laughs> shtick. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter I what think, he does. I think um, the, I think what the story is that before Jim Varney died, he had a script for Ernest the Pirate. Like that was it. That was the title, and that's all I really know about it. And it never got made because he passed away. And it was like no one else is going to try and you know recreate what he has uh, established. Oh man, wait until Disney has to. Disney really starts running uh, out of ideas. Like I got. Uh, that's going to be the day. That's going to be. That's going to be another rough day in terms of me thinking about suicide when they recreate <laughs> Ernest. That's going to be a rough day. 
Like, I think there might be a cinema in this episode where it's just like, okay, everybody, we're here to console Rob. He's not doing too well. They're remaking Ernest. <laughs> With Rob not has, Jim Varney. <laughs> Rob, Rob has the news tied already. He's just waiting for the, the, the launch date of the show. Yeah, it's the suicide hotline episode of Cinema Oddities. <laughs> I I wonder who owns the IP of Ernest. I'm I really curious. don't know. I really don't know. So yeah, I, I wonder who owns that because if Disney owns it, it's only a matter of time until they they recast yeah. it with another actor. Only a matter Absolutely. of time. They'll they'll get. I'm trying to think who would be a good modern day Ernest. Oh no 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 no! I don't even want to think about this. I don't even want to think about this nonsense, Zach. This is depressing me already. See, see, I had planned that at the at the end, before our questions, we could talk about maybe earnest movies in the modern day, like think of some titles, but not actors. Don't don't throw that at me like this. That's it. Jim Varney. Jim Varney is earnest and always will be earnest. See, we, I am. <laughs> if Do the we, Rogue One treatment. We, we've already cast the worst possible yet realistic incarnation of Back to the Future of oh. Aubrey Plaza as Marty I, McFly I mean, and I, Jeff Bridges as Doc Brown. I guess that's what I'm saying that liter- that the earnest movies are more sacred to me than Back to the Future. That's what I'm, I'm trying, trying. I'm trying. Okay, that's great. But <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who would be the modern day equivalent of Jim Varney? That's Zach's I, equivalent of saying, Rob, I'm talking. Yes. <laughs> it's not perfect, but I'd say the best thing we could probably could get to a Jim Varney would probably be Steve Carell. No, no. <laughs> Does not have the facial expression range that you need for that character. For exactly. Character. He it's, doesn't. It's, I'm saying he does not have I the agree. Range. And I agree. So why does that make it good? <laughs> because it's Disney, and they're going to pick an inferior choice because you have to water down the IP. Mm-hmm. Because remember, the whole point I of these that too. What you remember? Disney's entire business model is take existing IP and combine it with new, with a, with a new or a popular current. Uh, flavor of the month whether sure. it be whether it be the lion king live action with donald glover or it's beauty and the beast with emma watson yep. or or whatever it's going to be or, or uh, aladdin with will smith oh, or yeah. but that is that is a guy ritchie movie i love guy ritchie I don't know if I still love Guy Ritchie, but hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I mean, though, like a Steve Carell Ernest uh, uh, redo oh or God. reboot would be a hundred percent. You take a, a a a. It's not fair to call Steve Carell flavor of the month. It yeah, is. I want you to do this, Zach, but I have to let you and the audience know that uh, we have reached that point of inevitable agreeance. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm just thinking about it right now. I'm thinking about the vocal range that he did in The Office. He's the worst part about The Office. Don't get me yes. wrong. I think The Office got in, infinitely better when he left the show. The Office, when he left to the end, is some of the best television ever. That's a story for another time. But I'm just thinking about the vocal range, and he's going to try to do the facial expression. Yes. And it could work. It could and work as something different, not as a recreation, it would but be recreation. as a, a re. Yes, that's what they would go for. Exactly. It, it might work to some extent as a reboot for a new generation. But what, so, yeah, no- inevitable agreeance, Zach. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm just, we could tell the future. 
<laughs> but I'm going to break down Disney's formula. Yes, it's, yes I would like that. It's, it's pre-existing IP plus popular actor mm-hmm. equals dollar sign. That's what you do. Like, okay, what's, what's a popular IP Disney hasn't exploited yet that they own? So I guess, um, I guess my question about when you say popular, I, I feel that we should refine that to... Uh, they're, well, they're would, it, would it be popular or would it be dusty? No, well, it's okay. Dusty, okay. Mary Poppins. Dusty, Mary Poppins. Dusty returns. is old. Dusty is old and popular. I should say popular well, is, is dusty okay. is and me, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, let me rephrase. Okay, okay. It's pre-existing there. IP that some people are aware of. It's like Mary Poppins. It's like the Edge Chronicles. They're doing it, Amazon's doing a TV show for the Edge Chronicles, which is a series of books. Yeah, but Disney Disney has the catalog. Nobody else has a catalog oh, quite like okay, Disney. Okay, okay, okay. What I mean by like pre-existing popular, as in it was popular at one point. Like Disney's never going to make the live actually yes. rescuers down under. They're not going to do that. There's okay, no money so, in that. So, so to clarify, it, it popular for at Disney one point, is, at one point. Yes, is which includes Dusty and not so Dusty. Well, and yeah. probably not the not dusty at all. Well, it's like it's like Mary Poppins returns and the new Lion King. I would, say, is Mar- much- I would say Mary Poppins is dusty. I don't know about Lion King, but say Toy Story. Toy Story is not dusty. Well, they haven't stopped. Well, they're still making more though. So that's, exactly. that hasn't that, stopped. That's we, have, we haven't gone back to the dusty. reboot well. Yeah. No, because, because no, because Lion King is not dusty by any means, but they're redoing that because it's low hanging fruit. So it's pre-existing uh, uh, popular uh, IP plus popular actor like equals it. dollar sign. You can, so like, okay, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. Okay, I get you now. Okay, right on. Because like I said, I, Ernest was popular at one point. Oh, yeah, yeah. They made eight movies. <laughs> yes. Black Cauldron was not popular. They're not. There's never going to be a live-action redo. It's kind of like back during... The like right right before Tron Legacy came out, there was like talks about like oh Disney's going to redo the Black Hole, and it's like that doesn't make any sense. Nobody liked the Black Hole. Yeah, it's like who's going to see a remake to a movie no one liked? It's kind of like what happened with Tron. Tron nobody liked Tron when it came out. It became popular after the fact because a lot of people did drugs when when they watched it on home video, <laughs> and people said, "You know what? This movie it it, it, became, it it got a cult following from that." Yeah, and if I if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure Tron, um, you know, after the original movie and before the resurgence of it, it, it did have a comic book form for a while that was somewhat popular. Yeah, in video games. It, it existed. Yeah, yeah, it, had, it existed. It, it, it existed in other forms of media for sure. Exactly. And it wasn't until the late 2000s, I, I want to, uh, late 2000s, maybe early 2010s, that was like, oh, how are we going to exploit these properties that have run dry? Yeah. So what you do is you get a new generation hooked on them. So it becomes their take on the character. Exactly. And, you put them in a Kingdom Hearts game and you don't, you are not playing, <laughs> you're not playing as the character. You're playing as a different observer to the story. Yeah. It's a fresh new take on an old Old tale, absolutely. Yes, and that's and that is going. Uh, considering that stupid streaming service, they're just going to need so much freaking content. The only problem, though, is that I think Steve Carell probably charges a lot of money. Well, I mean, it's it's Disney. Yeah, but they if anybody not, can pay the money, it's them. They're not going to dump big big dollars on an Ernest reboot. Oh, okay, yes, I agree with you. 
They're like, I, like they're not going to dump would, money on We that. would need if, if this was going to be made, if someone wanted this reboot to be made, which I don't, I'm still steadfast steadfastly against a reboot of the Ernest movies, you would need to get the lead actor invested in it before. Like you would you would need a Steve Carell type to be like I want to make this movie. All right, I have to ask. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of low rent actors. Would Paul Rudd make a good Ernest? Uh, I think he could do it. I think I have everybody. Uh, I don't think he'd be no, bad. No, no. I mean, Zet, you might not like this answer, but I don't want anybody from the fucking Marvel universe. Like it wouldn't be a redo. Like instead of him being, yeah, artist, we talked like we talked about this with the Gremlins episode. If they ever made a Gremlins three. The main character Billy would be the parents. Would now, be there. And their kids would find the gremlins and all that stupid nonsense. So, is what you're saying to me what I've kind of understood the entire time that any possible remake will be bad? Yes, I'm with you. I'm with you there. That's why they should never I, remake it. I That's never. Why I'm going to kill myself when I hear the announcement. We're both okay. This is the part. Rob and I both agree on the fact that it will be bad. The part that we disagree on is that it's going to happen one day, come hell or high water. Well, Disney, I, well part Disney's of me thinks not it will happen, but I just don't want it to happen. It, I know. It's going to cause my death. <laughs> just like the Star Wars fans out there. <laughs> There's a reason why not ma insert beloved pre-existing IP here is a trending topic every day. Okay, quick, quick pitch. Quick pitch. Star Wars Episode Nine: Ernest Saves the Jedi. <laughs> and and did they see the, the, the Governor Tarkin, uh, uh, Jim Varney, bring him back to life? Yeah, yeah they're going to CGI. No, no, no. It's going to be integrated footage from all of the Ernest Oh, my movies. God. <laughs> Very cruelly, digitally matted out. Oh, my God. I, I love that title. Ernest Saves the Jedi. Jedi. Or what about Ernest Saves the Force? Would that be more appropriate? I don't know. Zach would know better what Episode Nine is going to entail. I don't know if Ret- it's going to be Return of the Ernest. Force. Return of the Ernest. <laughs> the Ernest Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And then God. the one we don't want, a new Ernest. That and, oh, no, 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 never. The Phantom Ernest would be pretty cool, though, right? That'd be cool. That'd be a good Ernest movie. He's still making those. Attack of the Ernest would be the sequel when there's a bunch of Ernest clones. They're all trying to make incredibly convoluted facial expressions. Pitch that to Zenger. See if if Zenger likes that. Attack of the Ernest. (laughs) I don't know what his opinion is on Ernest. Oh, man. Well, no, okay. I I guess we kind of, you know, we're in agreement then that well, maybe I, I say it shouldn't happen. You think it, it's going to happen. And honestly, at the end of the day, I kind of agree with you that, you know, when they scrape the bottom of the barrel, this is going to pop up eventually, right? Yeah, it, it's going to show up. I mean, they, Unfortunately. Did, they did what? Uh, 21 Jump Street and Chips. Oh so Ernest God. can't be that far off, to be honest. <laughs> well, Zach, is there anything else specific you want to say about this movie? I think I have one line that I want to actually ask you if you picked up on. Oh, okay. I love it when Rob's up. Rob, Rob picks the most obscure moment in the film, asks me if I remembers it and finds it funny, and acts completely surprised when I say, no, I don't. So so the first one is probably not as, as, as obscure. It might be obscure to Zach because I don't know if, if he's familiar with the commercials, but as we might have said earlier, Ernest started with the whole sequence of POV commercials from Vern's point of view, and Ernest would cause problems. We have a scene in this movie that is reminiscent of those commercials when, you know, 
Ernest and Harmony Star go to Vern's house, and Ernest is like, we're early for a party, but I'm bringing this Christmas tree. You remember that scene, right, where we get the whole point of view, you know, Ernest destroying this guy's house type of thing? Yeah. Yeah. And so in that sequence, for some reason, Ernest is pulling at a plug in the wall. <laughs> I think the Christmas lights are plugged in, and he's pulling at, the like, the outlet from the Christmas lights. And he doesn't just, he doesn't unplug the Christmas lights. He literally rips the outlet from the wall, and he's pulling on this wiring and ripping it from the drywall. And this whole scene is shot as point of view from Vern, from one other person, who's watching Ernest do all this stuff. And when Ernest gets pretty high up in the wall, like literally, this is the, this is the whole wall is getting ripped out. Ernest looks at Vern and goes... This thing's pretty stuck, huh? And gives it one more big, like, wrench. Like, he pulls it really hard. It rips a light fixture out of the wall, like a little oh, light yeah. or something. And Ernest looks at the camera, and I am very certain, because this does not have subtitles, I'm very certain he says, Vern, this looks like a transmutation between a 110 and a 220. Know what I mean? Burn. it ain't like the cab company can't afford to give somebody a free ride every now and then. After all, Vern, it's Christmas time. It's a time for giving. A time for, for chestnuts opening on a roasted fire. A time for sleigh bells tinkling in the snow. Boy, Vern, that puppy's really stuck, no one Stop. You know, Vern, it looks like a transmutation of your 110 and your 220, you know what I mean? What the fuck? No, no, Ernest. No one knows what you mean. What the hell does that mean, Zach? What does that mean? A transmutation between a 110 and a 220. He literally ripped a wire out of a wall. What does this mean? I, it's, it's hilarious. It's probably my favorite line in the movie. I, I'm going to say it to a student one day. Of course you what, what are. Does it, what does it mean? What does it mean? We may never know. Okay, so I figured Zach would not have any idea what this means, but I have to say that, like I already mentioned, I love this line. It's one of the reasons I love this movie. Uh, it, it, it's something reminiscent of artifacts that completely baffle me. Things that really confuse me, I tend to love. I tend to latch on to. <laughs> uh, this line reminds me of one of my favorite lines from the musician mr kanye west you ever hear him before zach uh, rings a bell okay uh what about kane west he might be known yes absolutely yeah, I, I love kane, kane west kane west so on the same album as the song with the music video on the motorcycle where he's having sex on the motorcycle you know i think zach's favorite music video of all time um, yeah definitely same album there's a song where i think the last minute of the song is him he says a line and then goes oh and then says another line, and then goes, oh, all the lines make sense, okay? Except for one. At one point, he goes, oh, Michael Douglas out the car now. Oh, and that's it. There's no reference. He literally says, Michael Douglas out the car now. I don't understand it. I don't need to understand it. It's amazing. And that's the same thing in this Ernest movie. Stop.
Take it too far now, uh Michael Douglas out the car now, uh Got the kids and the wife life, uh But can't wake up from the nightlife Does that make sense, Zach? Absolutely not But you know what? In, Kanye, in Kanye West world, it makes perfect sense We are comparing Kanye and Ernest The other thing I want to ask you about The second line I wanted to know if you picked up on Is when Joe Carruthers, the replacement Santa He is, uh, he's decided not to be the replacement Santa or he's like auditioning for that movie with the like the horror movie that he's working on. And at the start, you think that this is a Christmas movie, like because there's a scene that they're shooting where Joe Carruthers, the replacement Santa, is like talking to children and the children. And he's like, you better go to bed before Santa gets here, you know, stuff like that. Once again, a very brief line. Little kid, one little kid says, can we sleep with the light on tonight? And Joe Carruthers, in character, of course, says, I guess we can spare the electricity. <laughs> that's the line. Okay. So while, yes, that is a very, that's a very, I like that response to the question of can we have a nightlight on, basically. But they don't say nightlight. They just say, can we have the light on? It is an established fact that I do not think was an established fact back in the time this movie was filmed and released. When you are a child, if you sleep with the light on, your eyes are fucked later in life. Like, there is a ridiculous causality between sleeping with a light on and having poor eyesight later in life. So I can only imagine this scene as the kids are like, can we have the light on to see Santa? And the father's like, yeah, I don't care if you fuck up your eyesight. <laughs> that was a little I, scare for you, Zach, right? I, I, I Just a little. Uh, I have no idea where this thing with the lights on, leaving the lights on. Plus, I don't know how many kids sleep with the lights on. Maybe a nightlight, but I don't know how many kids sleep with the lights on. And I don't think I've ever heard about having. I don't think I've ever heard about having irrevocable damage to one's eyesight. But it's a so that is actually of all the nonsense I spew on this, <laughs> I have actually like done that research. I, I've I've tried to recreate the study, and it, it's legit. I like I there's a study published a few of them that are basically you know trying to correlate sleeping with the nightlight on and myopia later in, later in life which is nearsightedness or farsightedness and it's it's solid the research is there like it i would say it's it's causality and at the same time i am a little biased because for a fact i slept with a light on damn near my whole childhood and now you're blind. I cannot see for shit. If I break my glasses, I have to sit there. I basically can sit there and do nothing until I get new glasses. Like, it's ridiculous how bad my eyes are. Of course, that's one sample versus the study. But like I said, I've looked at the study, and I believe in it. And I support it. I think it's the case. I've taught it. I've discussed that study in my own classes. And this movie laughs in its fucking face. Not because it chooses to, because it was before we understood before we understood Zach. It's a relic of a previous time when everybody should sleep with the light on when they're five years old while smoking a camel cigarette. Right? The late 80s. <laughs> uh, the more you know, folks. The more you know with Rob. <laughs> oh, I mentioned it before. I want to pick each other's brains on earnest movies for the modern day. Because you oh, better believe God. I wrote some down already. And, and Zach, I, I know you have to have some, right? You have to thought of some earnest movies that would occur today. 
you know, in the in the in the 2010s and the 2020s, that type of stuff. First one I thought of, Ernest gets his identity stolen. That'd be pretty funny, right? Like, Ernest doesn't have money all of a sudden, and he's, like, getting arrested and, and like, swatted and shit like that. Like, he's in his apartment, maybe doing something crazy, and the SWAT team shows up because, you know, his credit card was used to buy child pornography or something like that. And he of has course, to, it gets dark real quick. He has to kind of, like, try and prove that he didn't make the purchase, and comedy ensues. What do you think? Ernest goes to the dark web. Ernest goes to the dark web. See, that's that's a good one. That's a good one, Zach. Okay. Uh, okay, my turn. Ernest and the homophobic tweets. <laughs> so Ernest, uh, Ernest is applying for a job, and his employer finds that he is... <laughs> Zach, you're laughing too much. You're making me laugh. <laughs> or his employer, or whatever, finds out, or somebody uncovers that he has had some distasteful tweets in the past and brings them into the public light and he gets shamed for them and he has to kind of, you know, dig his way out of that hole. What do you think? Ernest and the... Ernest and his filmography, which is the exact same plot. <laughs> so literally just the biopic, what if Jim Varney was alive today? <laughs> More or less. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I like that. <laughs> okay, the other one that I have that I want to mention... Ernest gets a Windows update. <laughs> so it's like Ernest... That could have been like, made. That actually Ernest, could have been made at one point. Ernest has to like... I don't know. Ernest is working on something. Like he has a, he has a, a vlog or a YouTube channel. And he's trying to upload his new video. But while he's editing it, that like a Windows update happens. And he like try, he has to he like leaves and goes to an internet cafe and comedy ensues. What do you think? <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so we got Ernest gets his identity stolen, Ernest in the homophobic tweets, and Ernest gets a Windows update. <laughs> Look out for them in late 2019, folks. It's going to be the cinema of these movies. Along starring with Paul Rudd. Starring, uh, well, that's up to debate. But we're also going to have some new thumb movies to discuss as well, Zach. So get ready for that. We have Ernest movies and thumb movies. Oh, Lord. How about this? Ernest protest social injustice i like that but Too i want i want to be a little more specific oh. and, and a little more condescending to social justice okay. and how about Ernest leaves a bad yelp review <laughs> <laughs> that works or um Ernest visits the mall Ernest visits <laughs> That encapsulates so many things. Yes. <laughs> Another one I could very well believe they could have done at one point. Yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. What's another good one? Um, Ernest visits the White House. Oh, nice. I like that. I really like that one. Um, what's another good it one? Could be, it would be a... Um, like a White House down scenario. Oh my God! Where Ernest is trying to like protect the White House or the president from terrorists, right? That that would be the plot. That's the only plot. The plot. In that movie. <laughs> I'm trying to think. What's things that happen today that would be very interesting? Uh, Ernest goes on Twitter. Well, yeah, I mean that was kind of the homophobic tweets one, but no, 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 no. He doesn't oh, tweet. Okay. He just sees. He just sees the oh, vile. He just, 
he just this goes horrible on. things people write. Has to what about like what about like Tumblr then? Like Ernest goes on Tumblr or something like that. Well, well, now that they got rid of their pornography, it's not going to be as uh, <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. What about okay? What about then just a blanket blanket movie? Ernest uses the it's internet. The w- <laughs> Ernest uses the web. Surfs the web. Yeah, Sur- yeah. Ernest sur- surfs the web. Ernest surfs the web. I love it. And it's a very sobering film where he goes on the dark web and sees like live execution. And it's, like at the very end, Ernest is like shaking to his core, like shaking in the corner of his house. <laughs> he orders some pills. Oh, he yeah. orders some cheap like pills. Um, oh, it gets dark. It gets dark. Experimental real quick. hallucinogenics. Yes. <laughs> oh, definitely. Some uppers, some downers. Oh, <laughs> Oh my lord! Yeah, it, it gets nice. it gets dark real quick. Nice, I like it. You really should do or, it wrong. Oh, uh, or what about what about something like I'm thinking of modern stuff? What about something like um, Ernest gets trapped in a safe space? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there something like go. that, and where it's like he doesn't understand what a safe space is, and he thinks he's caught somewhere, well, and it's like like or it's a cult or something. Well, essentially, what it is is it, it basically be like Ernest visits a college or Ernest Ernest attends <laughs> college, but that's what it would be. Ernest is trapped in a safe space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh man, I like that. I that's a good one. That's a good one. Oh man, I, th- I want, I want. Well, I'm giving Rob a job. I want Rob to find the the address or phone number for the Disney theme parks and complain. There's no <laughs> Ernest walk around character. <laughs> oh. I guess we need one for the Cinemodities restaurant then, right? Oh my god. Let's just no, add Di- every waiter possible. We can't do that. Disney would sue us. Is is D- Disney literally not going to sue us for anything already? Is there think, nothing I, I, in the bank that we have that's suable by Disney? I don't real? know. Have we, ta- have we talked about any Disney movies on the podcast so far? Like, they technically will Sophia own the First? Freaked. Yeah, Sophia the First. Um... um they will own Freaked. They will own. They probably will own half the movies that we'll, what we've talked about at this point. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, they probably they probably have a reason to sue us at this point. Aren't there like 80 episodes that haven't been aired that are all Disney? <laughs> what snack do we eat during this movie? Yes, let's get on to the real questions. I would like to pitch one and only one snack. I think that I, I love this movie for so many more reasons that I, you know, I kind of was lacking on the snacking ideas, but I thought of one. And in the same scene that I described earlier, where um, Ernest goes into Vern's house, we get the whole POV stuff, when he's setting up the Christmas tree, he sees, because Vern is setting up for a party that they are early to, uh, Ernest sees that Vern has a punch bowl. And when he sees the punch bowl, he picks it up, and drinks from it very reminiscent of Mala when she tastes her cooking in the Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh-uh. They, Ernest, just takes a gulp from a full size. Nice. You, ha- you you need two hands to hold it. It's, it's a party punch bowl. A party glass punch bowl. That's the only way to put it. So I say that you can order Vern's Punch or Vern's Christmas Punch or Party Punch. I don't know if we want it to be holiday specific. And... You don't. You get punch, but it is in a bowl that has a brim of diameter at least a foot and a half, at least eighteen inches, and you have to take giant gulps out of it every time you drink from it. It will take up most of the table you're sitting. 
And you'll <laughs> spill probably a nice portion of it on yourself as well. Oh, indeed. Indeed. What do you think about that as a beverage for our Cinemodities restaurant? It also comes with like... Hold on. Steak. Hold on. I forgot. I forgot one thing, Zach. I'm sorry. There's one more. There's one more twist to it. There is a kid's version for the Sin Emodities restaurant. But okay. here's the kicker. The kid's version comes in a bigger punch bowl. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> so I would say the adults are more likely to try and pick this up with two hands and drink from it. The kids might just be tempted to take a dip, like a dip <laughs> in how big this bowl is going to be. And so it's kind of a drink and an activity. <laughs> uh, so basically, like, can you even fit the kid-sized version on the table? I realize now we haven't fully discussed how big the children's tables will be because I'm trying to save on costs. And if we could give them those little pizza tents, that would be sufficient. So, no, I would say. To be safe, no, this will not fit on the kids' table. <laughs> okay, good, good. Most things will not fit on the kids' table, I'd say, to be safe. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, and also what comes with so you don't spill it on yourself, like those, like, the, 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 the smocks. That they would give people like the Gallagher, like comedy <laughs> yeah. shows. So like, yeah, it's like, like a clear smock. Ponchos. Yeah. 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 That you basically get one of some you order one of those. I love oh, it. Oh dear. Okay. Trying, okay. So my mine that's is my, a, that's my beverage. I know we're trying to get more beverages, but Zach, yes. Mr. Snack Master, enlighten us. Yes. The snack master, the connoisseur of context. No, 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 no. There's no, another no, no, one no. in there it's somewhere. So long. The yes. Lego Mania. No, it's been, well, it's been like two months since you said that to me, Zach. God damn it. I know. There's another one in there that I've been given the name for, but I've lost track of it. Well, did you say Odd Zach? You're Odd Zach. Odd Zach. There's one more in there, too. It's on top of Odd Zach. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, folks, I am the Snack Master, the Connoisseur of Contacts, Odd Zach, and the Lego Maniac. No, no, no. That's false. Lego Maniac is false. As yes, I am, not, I am not Odd Zach. No, yeah. um, that is a lie. Uh, anyway, though. <laughs> Reindeer Burger. Reindeer Burger. Oh! Is it, uh, is it, you're talking straight up regular burger. There's no gimmicks. You're not going to die. You're not going to get shot. You're not going to get impaled by reindeer. It's not going to fly up to the ceiling. It's just a burger? What, what's your, what's thoughts? No, actually, it's a regular beef hamburger, but you got to name all Santa's reindeer before you can order it. If you get any <laughs> of them wrong, you have to start from the beginning again. So it's not, it's not even reindeer meat? Well, you can always hope that we have that as a special of the day, but considering how uh, expensive and scarce that is and how we're always trying to save on costs at the Cinemodis restaurant, I figure when we don't have that as the meal of the day, that is the, the, the caveat. You have to name all Sands reindeer, reindeer in order to get the burger. Oh, so it's so it's if we have reindeer, you order yes. to get it. If we don't have reindeer, there's a qualification to get it. Yes, it's an asterisk. Oh, okay, okay. And it's... Naming Santa's reindeer. Would we adjust Blitzen to Blister, as Ernest calls it? Would we would we require people? Would this be the Ernest reindeer burger? And so we require people to have knowledge of the Ernest reindeers, not just Santa's reindeers? Uh well you know what we'll do if they get the, the, the Ernest way of doing it, they get an extra strip of bacon. Okay. Okay, I like that. What if it's supposed to be a vegetarian burger? I can't even they, say that with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> they get they get extra piece of kale on the vegetarian vegetarian burger. Kale, extra piece of kale. Okay, okay. Well, I could, I could get behind that. I get behind that. Um, 
I think that reindeer would be really interesting to try. I've never eaten reindeer. Have you? Well, no, not recently, <laughs> anyway. Not recently. Oh man, <laughs> there's a lot of reindeer in Florida, right? When you were living there, you were getting that meat all the time. That sweet, sweet reindeer meat. Sweet, sweet reindeer meat. I think I've said to Zach before, maybe on one of the first episodes of this podcast, I have had, I've had, ugh, I have had yak before. And I would imagine that is because they live in a similar climate to reindeer. Maybe they have a similar meat structure. Who knows? And he, oh, it was great. I guess that's the thing I say. Yak was amazing. A yak burger was phenomenal. The more you know. The more you know. So, Zach, the next question, if you don't have any more snacks, I don't want to cut you off, Mr. Snack Master. Um, if you don't have any more, we have to talk about cinemodity and late night movie. Right? Oh, yeah. So, I'll start. Late night movie, yes. Without a doubt. I want to show this to people because so many people I know don't know about it. I want them to, to get it. I want them to understand it. Cinemodities, though, I... I have to say no, and I think I have to say no for one of the reasons we we mentioned way back when, where this is, while it's absurd, something that I usually attribute to cinemodities, it is that wholesome level of absurd. Maybe not wholesome, maybe a more beginner level of absurd. And since I am so much more used to things that are what I would consider truly abstractly absurd these days, this movie just doesn't cut it. This, to me, is an earnest movie. And since there's eight of them with the same humor, nothing is either uh, – okay, maybe it is cinematic. But it's not odd. It's not an oddity. So I, I'm actually going to say no to cinemodity. Uh, cinemodity, yes. Late night movie, no. Oh, God. <laughs> Zach, should there, I'm just – there needs. we need a clip for – we need a, a clip of me saying split or something because I'm saying it too much. <laughs> Why expand, Zach? Please. Why am I wrong? Why is why is everything opposite in our world? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure the thesis of this podcast is why is Rob wrong, but to really I know, emphasize, I, know, I like I like better. It's it's why is why are our worlds opposite? That's probably oh, more neutral. Okay. That's that's sure, a little nicer sure. way to put it. Okay. Whatever helps you sleep at night. Even though you get your name appears on the publishing on Spotify and stuff. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I got where it counts, folks. When when the when the all the criminal liabilities fall back let's see him arguing over that um but anyway though no cinemati like i've already said um there are some really uh, bonkers elements to this not gonzo but bonkers there's a scale and i think it does have that very unique early uh late 80s early 90s weirdness to it yes the second half becomes a hallmark movie but before then I think it hits the spot I, in all the right places. I have not seen okay. any of the other Ernest films, so I cannot judge them by the same uh, sure. rubric that Rob is doing. Late night movie. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to ever show this to anybody. I think this would be more of a, even as a, a kiddie entry-level cinemati, I'd be hard-pressed. I think most kids would be bored during this. I think for most kids, they would be expecting a little bit something a bit more dynamic. Sure. Yeah, a bit and more I think, engaging. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is definitely a, a product of its era. It is slower paced, which even though I can appreciate, a six-year-old won't. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, late night movie, I'd be hard-pressed even, I guess, I'm, I don't know. Like If this was on like ABC Family, I can imagine uh, tuning into this, okay. but I could never imagine really going out of my way for it ever again. That's fair. I guess another point I want to make with me saying no to Cinemodities is I feel like 
like I said before, there's a lot of criteria that this movie satisfies, satisfies that I would want to say, yes, it's a cinemodity too. But I feel also that it's kind of a slippery slope. And once again, I'm going to reference the Pee Wee Herman movies, which Zach hasn't seen, but uh, I find them very similar. And those aren't cinemodities either. I, I feel like saying yes to a cinemodity for this is opening the door to certain things I don't want to be considered as cinemodities. <laughs> You know what oh, I mean? Man. He's a like, cinemodity. I'm literally purist. biding our future for cinemodities. I'm trying not to set a precedent. <laughs> oh my lord! Who would have thought there was that much weight when it comes to this dumb podcast? <laughs> I think that's been established. What if we haven't hit 50 episodes? We're close to it, right? Yeah, and we're flirting. With if, it. if there's one thing we've established, it's that you let us loose on anything. We're gonna think about it to an inordinate amount. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like who's going to replace Ernest and who would be the worst choice for that? Who's going to replace Ernest, how to run this restaurant? Zach, we're we're not that different, okay? We're no. There's a reason we're doing this together. <laughs> hey, Rob, you want to know an even worse person to play Ernest? Oh, God. Oh, Will yes, Ferrell. Tell me. Will, Will Ferrell. He's too old. Too so old. What? Too old. They'd CGI oh. him. They'd see, they, they did in a, uh, what's that Marvel movie where they CGI'd young Robert Downey Jr. They'd CGI young Will Ferrell. Adventures in Babysitting? Uh, no, is Robert Downey Jr. in that? <laughs> I don't think he's in Did you know Thor is in um, Adventures in Babysitting, though? Like, Robert not Downey. not, not uh, the Hemsworth, like the literal character Thor? Robert Downey Jr. in Adventures in Babysitting. <laughs> Good night, folks! That is it for us today, and we will leave you with a, I, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. We'll do it in reverse. We'll do it in reverse. Fuck it. We'll do it in reverse. I'll write it, and we'll do it in reverse. Fucking thing sucks. That is it for us today. I'm Rob McAndrew. Thanks for listening. And we will leave you with an inferiority complex and a cut from their new album. Take it away. Thank you.